0: Well, we're going to be uh, taking a little bit of a hiatus, in a sense, from our series in Luke Uh, The reason for that is uh, God just led this way Um, So we're going to be in Acts 2.42, don't stand quite yet But this is a, a verse that probably, hopefully, will be familiar to you These words that you read on the screen The Apostles' Doctrine and Fellowship and Breaking of Bread and Prayers I'm sure you hopefully remember me saying that I did say that a few times, so hopefully you remember that but God's been working on my heart about this verse for a while. And whenever I knew it was Fellowship Sunday, uh, God just I knew that God wanted me to talk about the last of those four uh, things, prayer. We're going to talk a lot about that this afternoon. And as I was studying for it, I just knew that God wanted me to go ahead and preach the entire verse and help our church this way in Acts 2.42. And my prayer is that by the time we're done, you'll understand why. I know that God has a plan uh, for us. And here's what it is, and I'm I'm just going to give it to you from the front, that this right here that we're going to read about in Acts 2.42 is the very first church that God ever started. Jesus Christ started it. We'll talk about that. And this is the very first church ever in existence. And we're going to see what they did. We're going to see what the very first church did. And I'm going to just tell you, here's what they did. They continued steadfastly. Doing what Jesus taught the Apostles And we don't need a new formula We just need to keep doing what Jesus taught us to do from the beginning And we're going to figure out what that is today I'm excited about it And this is going to be a theme of our church This is going to be something we talk about over and over You'll hear each one of these four uh, uh, topics here deserves a sermon or more And so along the way we'll come back to this But I'm excited about what God has for us as a church today and so, if you would, find your place and stand when you do. Find your place to Acts 2 42. Acts chapter 2 <clears throat> and verse number 42. And we read, and they continued. Who's they? Again, I told you that's the first church, the first church ever established. And they, here's what they did continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread, and in prayer. So here's what God wants us to do as a church. Continue steadfastly. Continue steadfastly. Well, doing what? Well, What the church has done, and the churches have done from the beginning. We're going to talk about that today. Let's pray. we will get into it. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for Valley Avenue Baptist Church. Thank you for allowing us to be here, gathered together, and, Lord, to continue what you started 2,000 years ago in that first church in Jerusalem. I pray that you would help us, God, to just follow your model. We don't need any new recipes or, or a new formula about how to do church. Let's just, God, help us to be focused and continue steadfastly what you started. And enough. I pray that you bless. Christ, and I pray, amen, amen. You may be seated. And so while jesus was on this earth he was on this earth for three and a half years and during that time he started his first church it did not start at pentecost it was empowered at pentecost the first church started with jesus and his apostles uh, we if you've been in my sunday school series class you know what a church is it's a called out gathering of of people who are called out to do a specific purpose it's, specifically called out people who gather together for a specific purpose. And so the members of Valley Avenue Baptist Church are Valley Avenue Baptist Church, right? It's not this building. It's not, it's not anything like that. It's not a denomination. It's not a group of churches. A church is a called out assembly of baptized believers who have been specifically called out to this body, Valley Avenue Baptist Church, to do a work for God. Yeah, to do the the, um, the purposes of Christ in this area. And I'm thankful that we have guests who join us at our church meeting, but the church specifically and, and um, uh, technically speaking is the members of Valley Avenue Baptist Church, and we gather together and we have a church service, okay? It is no different than back then. The Jesus called out his disciples, right? He called them out and specifically called them out to be a part of his church. First church and they were baptized believers baptized by John the Baptist right all of them were and so what we have is a called out assembly of baptized believers who were working to do the purposes of Christ and they were physically following Christ weren't they that would be pretty cool and we awesome to, to follow Jesus around along around the regions of Jerusalem and be that first church well before Jesus died on the cross he promised them his first church that he would send the comforter and we know that the comforter is the Holy Spirit He he defines exactly who that was in John 14 through 16 We're not going to deal with all of that But Jesus did promise that when he left he was going to leave And Jesus says it's expedient that I leave because I when I leave I'm going to send The Holy Spirit now we know Jesus is God the Son and God the Son was with them physically But then God the Son would leave and he would send God the Spirit to live in our hearts. And that's more expedient, isn't it? That's more effective, because that way the churches of Christ can spread throughout the world. That's exactly what happened, and it made it all the way here. Amen? And so that's what we're doing. We're, we're the church. And so Jesus then died for our sin. He rose again three days later. And in Acts chapter 1, Jesus reminded them again that you're going to receive power, Acts eight. after the holy spirit comes upon you and then what happened is he went back to heaven didn't he just like he said i'm going to leave and that's what he did and that that's acts chapter one he reminded them he would send the spirit he left then acts two here's what happened the holy spirit came didn't it and that was on what we know as the day of pentecost Uh, it was the day of pentecost was it wasn't specific to that day technically it was a it was a major jewish festival that they would have uh, every so often and during this major jewish festival called pentecost here's what would happen is jews would come from every nation it even said that in acts 2 it wasn't just for this specific pentecost every pentecost they would have that and it was a it was a long feast and and jews would come from all over the world to jerusalem to have this festival to have this feast and the Jews were there and here's what happened the holy ghost came then and it was a it was a big show because this is the first time the holy ghost has come to live inside of man what happened on the day of pentecost doesn't happen today anymore there's no more cloven fire tongues of fire that come down and and the spectacle isn't there the, the reason the spectacle was there that day is because it was a special day it was the first day that god came to dwell within the hearts of man it was a big deal And so the Holy Spirit came down, and he indwelt that first church, which at that time was more than just the apostles. It was 120. There were 120 people in that first church in the upper room. And the Holy Spirit came and indwelt them. And here's what happened. Uh, The the 12 apostles, being filled with the Holy Spirit, were preaching the gospel to the Jews. All the Jews? Well, most of them, right? Because they came from all over the world. And God in his providence planned that this would be the time that the Holy Spirit would come because Jews from all over the world was going to be there to hear the gospel. And as they were preaching the gospel, here's what they said. They said, aren't these Galileans? Because we hear them talking in our tongue. This was the biblical gift of tongues. The biblical gift of tongues is not some jibber-jabber stuff. Okay, it was never it was never gibberish that was not understood the biblical gift of tongues is when somebody spoke a language They didn't know That was the tongue tongues just means languages And so in the Bible a biblical gift of tongues, which by the way does not exist anymore But it existed back then to show the Holy Spirit came and it was a miracle where people would speak a language They did not know these Galileans were speaking all these languages that they didn't know and it was a miracle and people knew God was doing something Right, and it was a one-time thing. It was a, it was just for a certain time during the time of the Apostles And it was to give the Apostles authority to help people know that their message was from God Well, we already know that now they finished the Word of God, right? They finished the Word of God and we've had it throughout the ages. So there's no more need for tongues but anyways, they they did that and they spoke and people knew this message is from God that was important because these Jews were coming from all over the world and there were a lot of people who claimed to be the Messiah they've been waiting for, but Jesus really was the Messiah that the Jews had been waiting for since the beginning, since Abraham, actually since Genesis chapter three, when God said He was going to send the seed of the woman to bruise the head of Satan, and so uh, no, crush that and bruise his heel. And so God promised way back in Genesis the Messiah would come. God promised Abraham that Messiah would be from his seed. God promised David the Messiah would come from his seed. And a lot of people had claimed to be the Messiah. And so they would be a little skeptical when there's another guy who's claiming to be the, the Messiah. But Jesus was God who came to earth. And, and their message was real. And so that's why the miracles and the signs and the wonders. You see? And that was all happening. And then here they were doing that. And then Peter got up. They all stopped. And Peter got up, and Peter preached a phenomenal sermon. He preached uh, starting Peter's message actually started. Let's see where that was. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I wasn't really going to turn there. I was just going to tell you because I don't have a I don't have a pen. But first, fourteen is when Peter stood up and he preached that message. And again, we don't have time to go through this whole message that Peter preached but basically what he did is he preached the gospel here's what he did he told the jews specifically the jews that were gathered there that jesus was the messiah jesus is the one that you the jews have been waiting for and then he told them problem is the jews killed him right they rejected him as a nation but they didn't have to these jews that came for pentecost they didn't have to but the jewish leadership they they rejected jesus and they nailed him to the cross but the good thing is that was god's plan all along to, to die for our sins you see and god and god used what the jews did in rejecting christ to to pay for the sins of man and jesus died on the cross so that your sins could be paid and and he proclaimed what jesus did right that we've been talking about the acceptable year of the lord that jesus came and he died for your sin you're a sinner and you deserve god's wrath i'm a sinner and i deserve god's wrath but jesus came he's this he's the messiah he's the savior god always promised to send even back when adam and eve sinned that very first time god promised he would send a savior to die for our sins and that's exactly what happened. And Peter named the name. He said, Jesus Christ, who you have crucified, he is the Messiah. And he said uh, in verse 21, he quoted from, I believe it's Joel, who said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved from what? Well, saved from God's wrath, right? We all deserve God's wrath. Hell is a real place. God really will pour judgment on this earth. And all of us, Jews included, now a lot of the Jews have convinced themselves they didn't deserve God's wrath. They are God's people. No, all people, all of us, all of us deserve the wrath of God because of our sin. And that's why Jesus came and that's why Jesus died on the cross because he took God's wrath. And now to have our sins forgiven all that is required is that we call on the name of the Lord by faith. Okay? So Peter preached that awesome message. Well, when they heard the gospel, verse 37 says this. When they had heard this, they were pricked in their hearts. That means that they were under conviction. That means that they knew they were sinners. They knew they'd done wrong. And yeah, they were Jews, yeah, they were God's people, but they, they hadn't kept the law perfectly. They've made mistakes. They knew that. And they knew that they needed they deserved God's wrath. And you might be here this morning, and you know you're a sinner. And you know that you deserve God's wrath. Hey, I'm here this morning to tell you, I'm a sinner, and I deserve God's wrath. But they knew that. And left, if, if left to themselves, They would face God's eternal wrath, and they knew that. And so they knew they needed to be saved. They knew they needed to have their sins forgiven, and they knew that Jesus was the Savior, the Messiah who came, and they knew that he died and that he rose from the dead for their sins. And so they were pricked in their heart. They were convicted. They were convinced about this. By the way, that's what we call faith. Faith is a conviction that something is true. No shadow of a doubt. You know that you're a sinner. You know God is, uh, Jesus is God who died on the cross for you to pay for your sin. And you know that if you call out to him, then you can be saved. And they were convicted about the gospel. And so they asked, what shall we do? End of verse 37. And so Peter told them what to do. Peter said unto them, repent by the way, let me explain this, comma, and be baptized, each one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, comma, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, this verse has been taken and abused and and, and, um, misunderstood for a long time. But we know this. Peter said, you need to repent to be saved. You need to repent. And now we know, because of the rest of scripture that that's all you need to do to be saved to be saved jesus did it all and all you need to do now is repent and ask god to forgive you because of what jesus did well how do you know that well look in acts 319 you're right there right he's peter or uh, i think it was peter said this repent ye therefore and be converted that's it that your sins may be blotted out and so no mention of baptism here right he says repent and be converted you you have faith in christ you repent of your sins and that moment your sins are blotted out you haven't even got baptized yet right because all that it takes to be saved is to repent and place your faith in what christ did it's a heart decision to be saved you see no actions are required for salvation Acts 5:31, Him hath God exalted with His right hand to be a prince and savior." Uh, four, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Repentance, re- forgiveness of sins. All that's required to have your sins forgiven is faith in who Christ is, repentance of your sin, which means you ask God to forgive you because of you don't want to be a sinner anymore. You can't just get saved and, and uh, you can't just say, well God, if you're real, And I don't want to go to hell forever, so, you know, if this is all legitimate, how about you just save me? That's not how you get saved. It takes faith and repentance. It takes a full conviction that you know what you deserve, you know what Jesus did, and then it takes repentance, which means I don't want to be who I am anymore. I want my sins to be forgiven, but I can't do it, and so you repent, and you ask God to do it because of what Jesus did. That's how salvation works. The Bible is clear that works are no part of salvation including baptism ephesians 2 8 9 for by grace are ye saved through faith through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of god not of works lest any man should boast. there is no works involved and baptism has nothing to do with you being saved well then why does he say repent and be baptized well again look at our Look at our verse, verse 38. After repent, there's a very important comma right there. You see that? It's not just repent and be baptized. It's repent, comma, and be baptized. Okay? In the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. That's a new thought, okay? And so the answer to their question, they said, what do we need to do to be saved? Well, he says, here's your answer. Repent. New thought. And get baptized for the remission of sins. Because your sins were remitted, your sins were forgiven when you repented, now get baptized. Following? That's what Peter said. Repentance is how your sins were forgiven. Now that you are forgiven, now that your sins are forgiven, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. You following? That's the message that Peter taught and preached. Now verse 41 tells us that 3000 people did just that. And they that gladly received his word, what's that? That's faith. They heard the gospel. They gladly received it. That means it wasn't out of obligation. It wasn't out of, well, maybe just because I don't want to, just in case this is true, I'll believe it. No, they gladly received it. Did you know God gave his gift to everybody? The Bible says that Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. He died for all. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever... Believeth in him should not perish. It doesn't say believe and then get baptized, does it? It says whoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But here's the thing. Everyone has that gift available to them. Jesus died for all men, but not all men will be saved, unfortunately. It'd be like if I gave you a gift, and I wrapped it all nice, I spent my whole life savings, like $8, and or something. And then I put it in a box really nice. I put a lot of work into it. Wrapped it up really nice. It's beautiful as a bow. And you take it and you're like, oh man. That is a beautifully wrapped gift. And you just sit it on your shelf and then you just don't do anything with it. Well, you have the gift but you never received it. You see? God's given the gift to every man. But they have to do this. Gladly receive it. It's not enough to know the gospel. It's not enough to know you're a sinner. It's not enough to know that Jesus died for your sins. You have to gladly receive it. Romans 10, 9 says, For if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thy heart that God had raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And so it takes a belief in your heart, yes. You have to believe it with all your heart. It has to be a, a true conviction of faith in your heart. But then you have to confess with your mouth. You have to ask God, you have to know that you're, you're a sinner. You know that Jesus died for you. Yes, but then you have to, there has to be a time in your life that you prayed to God and you talked to him and you admitted, you confessed with your mouth, you confessed that you're a sinner. You confessed that you deserve hell forever and then with your mouth or at least with words in your mind, you communicated to God and you asked him, you have to actually ask him to forgive you. That's what it means to gladly receive. You see? Just because you know the Bible doesn't mean you're saved. Just because you know the gospel. Yeah, Brother Chad, or uh, Pastor, whatever my name is, you, the guy talking to me, I know, I know, I know, I heard it a lot. I know, I'm a sinner, I know. And Jesus died for me, I get it. I know that. Well, it's not an to know that. But is there a time in your life that you, you personally, asked God to save you of your sins because of what Jesus did on the cross? And you weren't trusting in baptism, you weren't trusting in church membership, you weren't trusting in good works. He said, it's not of yourself. You can't do anything to earn this. You have to place your faith fully in the blood of Christ on the cross. Is there a time that you asked God to save you by faith that Jesus' blood was enough If you've done that, then you gladly received his word. And verse 41 says, They that gladly received his word were baptized. So again, baptism is what happens after you get saved. You see? After you get saved, you get baptized. Yeah. So those who got saved were baptized, and it says this, And the same day, back in verse 41, were added unto them Now who's them? It's the church, right? Here's how we know the church didn't start at Pentecost There's a lot of quote-unquote church theologians Who anyway, say that the church started at Pentecost No, the church was added unto At Pentecost The church was empowered by the Holy Spirit at Pentecost But the church started with Jesus and his apostles And then the 120 in the upper room And added to those 120 Were 3,000 souls Whoa That's a revival meeting right there, right? That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, and so after you get saved, the very next thing God wants from you is to be baptized. That's the message. Repent and then be baptized. That's what God wants from us. And when you get baptized, immediately that day, you are added to that church. That baptized baptized. How are we doing? Make sense? This is the biblical model. This is the teachings of the apostles. And that day was pretty exciting, if you can imagine. I like to call it Jerusalem Baptist Church. That first church in Jerusalem. They were pumped. Yeah, they went from 120 to more than 3,000 in one day. That's pretty awesome. That, that's almost all a false city. That's pretty. Awesome. I mean, imagine that. Seriously. It was a church of more than 3,000 members. And they were mostly added that day and so that's what happened right before our our passage acts 2.42. and so this morning we want to think about what the church did after that so that church existed remember jesus started it he left he sent the holy spirit they were empowered the gospel was preached they were added and now we have this church this this first church which has grown to more than 3,000 people, what did they do now? Now that Jesus had gone, and now the Holy Spirit does live within hearts, what did they do? Well, here's what they did. Verse 42. And they continued steadfastly. I like it. Continued steadfastly. Now you've got the newer versions say devoted, lame. No, they continued steadfastly. let love it. What does that mean? Well, it carries the idea of a strong stand to adhere firmly or steady persistence. That's what it means to continue steadfastly. They keep doing it and they decided they were going to keep doing it no matter what the pull of the world was. No matter what other people were doing, here's what they were going to do. They were going to continue steadfastly to these four things. They were committed to these things. And nothing was going to get them off track from doing those four things. These are the things that Jesus taught his apostles to do. These are the things that the apostles were teaching them. Remember, the, the apostles were part of that church. They were the one teaching them right there at the beginning. And the apostles that who had received the word from Christ were now taking that exact message and giving it to this church. And these are the things that this church were going to continue steadfastly to do. Can I tell you, Valley Avenue Baptist Church needs to continue steadfastly. These same things that the first church was doing is exactly what we should be doing. But Brother Chad, things are so different. The culture's crazy. Things are happening. All this stuff. No, listen, we don't need a new recipe. We don't need a new formula about what a church is. There are a lot of, there are a lot of church growth gurus out there who are, have all these new fangled ideas and new ways about what a church should be and how a church should act, and look, don't you know we're in a new time? Don't you know things are different now? No, listen, Jesus' message does not change with the times. He told us to continue steadfastly. We already have the instructions of the apostles, which they received from Christ, about how we're supposed to operate our church. And that's the original formula, and it does not need any improvement, does it? No. We don't need to know what the cutting edge of of church growth is. We don't need to know that either. We don't need to know about the trends that are taking churches by storm. There's enough of that going around. Here's what we need to do. Continue steadfastly, doing what Christ's true churches have done throughout the ages. Okay, so what is it? What do we do? Well, I think you probably figured it out right up here. But these are the four things. Pretty much, now I don't know that this is technically fully exhaustive. You know, the apostles went on to teach the churches other things, but this is pretty, pretty exhaustive, isn't it? Here's the four things teaching and preaching the apostles doctrine fellowship breaking of bread and prayers so we're gonna break all now all I can told you all four of these deserve a whole sermon all by themselves, and we'll do that along the way but we're gonna we're gonna keep them all and, and, and give you what they all mean and do our best to keep it before 12 30 maybe 1245 no No. we won't do that we got time okay so the apostles doctrine the term doctrine means teaching that's what it means it's teaching the apostles teaching when you see doc, doc, the word doctrine it's just teaching so it's the teachings now what we want we're interested in is teachings of christ but the word doctrine means teaching there are doctrines of demons right that the scripture talks about and false doctrines and false prophets and there are lots of doctrines but the word doctrine means teaching and so what we need to do is we need to continue steadfastly in the teaching of the apostles. Now, what's the teaching of the apostles? Well, Jesus taught his apostles for three and a half years, didn't he? For three and a half years. That's the people that follow him around. He taught them. And the word apostle means someone who is sent out with a message. That's what it means. And so Jesus gave the apostles his message and then had them take it. He sent them out. With the message and they were to declare the message and the apostles then were teaching that message that they got from christ to that first church they were in the process of receiving it and that first church continued steadfastly teaching and preaching that message now luke had to say apostles doctrine then he had to narrow it down because there was already already other doctrine. There's other, there were already, as Jesus promised, as if you were here on Wednesday, you know it, that Jesus promised false prophets, and already there were false prophets. There were already other doctrine out there that claimed to be Christian. They already was, that was already happening. And so Luke said they continued in the apostles' doctrine. The apostles' And again, we said on Wednesday that there would be false prophets. Jesus promised that. There would be people who claim to be teaching God's message, but are actually teaching a whole different message. They would be pointing people from the narrow way that Jesus laid out in the Apostles' Doctrine, and then they would be pointing people away from that to the broad way, but all the while claiming to be a prophet of Christ, all the while Claiming to be preaching the word of God they might even have the Bible in their hand Problem is they're just not teaching what's in it you see but they claim that they are that's going to happen Jesus promised it would And again Apostle John said in 1 John 4 1 brethren believe not every spirit But try the spirits whether they are of God because Many false prophets are gone into the world Just because someone said they're teaching the Bible doesn't mean they are so we need to make sure that we are continuing steadfastly to preach the word. Paul said to the Galatians, I marvel that you're so soon removed from him who called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. There was somebody else. Paul had just planted that church at Galatia and he taught them the true gospel. But then Paul being an apostle teaching the apostles doctrine, but then just not too long later, maybe a year or two later, they were already Learning a different gospel someone else came along and said no that I know what the Apostles doctrine is But but really Jesus meant this and Paul said this i marvel that you're so soon removed by another gospel and he says which is not another There's not more than one gospel There's not more than one way to be saved. There's only one way to be saved, and that's through the shed blood of Christ. It's not through baptism. It's not through church membership. It's not through all the things we already talked about. The only way to be saved is through the shed blood of Christ and faith in that alone. That's the only way. It's a narrow way. But there are other doctrines out there. Yeah. Paul even said this. This is is cool. He said, in that same passage, but though we like paul he said if i come to you or my team luke and mark and other guys if we come to you or an angel from heaven comes to you preaching another any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you let him be accursed paul said i've already given you the gospel if i come back and i tell you actually jesus meant this don't listen to me. If an angel from heaven comes down and preaches a different gospel to you, here's what you can know, that angel probably fell. Actually, he did. And he said, even if it's an angel from heaven who preaches another gospel, you don't listen to him because there's only one gospel. And it's the gospel that you've been taught. But sadly, there are a lot of people out there preaching a lot of gospels, which is not another What we're going to do is we're going to preach the gospel of Christ. Yeah. There are still men out there who are preaching another gospel. But there is only one way to be saved. There are not many paths to heaven. There's just one. And it's the Apostle's doctrine. There's only one way to live and please God, and it's to walk the narrow way of the word of God. This was the teaching's of the Apostles and this is what the first church continued steadfastly preaching and teaching and man wouldn't it sure be nice if we still had that message that those Apostles taught so that we can continue steadfastly preaching and teaching that message that would be awesome oh yeah thankfully they wrote it down right that's what they did they wrote it down And not only did they write it down, but the Holy Spirit himself inspired them as they wrote it down. And it's what we have in the New Testament of our Bible. The Apostles' Doctrine, obviously built off of the Old Testament, which they also held to. And so right here, what we hold in our hand is the message. This is the Apostles' Doctrine, and we need no other. This is the timeless message of Christ. We don't need a new message that's up with the times. We don't need a message that that fits with our culture. No, no, we need to have our culture fit with the message, you see. We need to continue steadfastly preaching and teaching the Word of God. No matter what our culture and society is preaching and teaching, we preach the Word, instant, in season, and out of season, whether the culture loves it or whether the culture hates it. Here's what we do. We preach the Word. But continuing steadfastly in the Apostles' Doctrine is not just preaching and teaching it. The first church also practiced it. they? They practiced what they heard. The early disciples did not view the teaching of the apostles as just good preaching and left it there. They didn't just enjoy sitting under the message. No, they obeyed what they heard. They obeyed what they heard. We cannot be those who, as James, another apostle, said, that simply... Hear the word of God, but refuse to obey it That's not continuing steadfastly, is it? At Valley Avenue Baptist Church, we need to continue steadfastly to preach And teach the Apostles' doctrine, even when others are not And we need to continue steadfastly to obey what the Apostles taught Even when others are not So next we need to continue steadfastly in fellowship. So it's very important that we preach the word of God. And it's important that you learn the word of God. But God never intended for the church just to be a classroom where we come, hear the word of God, and then go home. And that's it. God never intended that. In fact, 1 John 1.3 says this, That which we have seen, who's we? The apostles. We have seen and heard, declare we unto you, This is the Apostles' doctrine, isn't it? That we, why? That we, no, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father, and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And so the gospel is not just meant to save you from your sin and God's wrath, although that's obviously very important. And we need to be saved from our sin and from the wrath of God. And the gospel does that. But that's not the end of the gospel. The gospel is also meant to cause fellowship between believers. That's what, that's what John said. We declare this to you that ye may have fellowship with us. And we want to have, listen, we want to have fellowship with all of false City. But here's what needs to happen. First, they need to believe the gospel. And when they believe the gospel and get saved, then there is an opportunity for fellowship as we fellowship around the Word of God. Yeah. Our fellowship is based in the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. That's what John said. Not in our ethnic background, not in our social status, not in our age group, not in our musical style preference. We are never going to have a contemporary one and a traditional one. No, we are fellowship. our fellowship is based on the truth of the Word of God. It's deeper than all of that, you see. We're to find a deep, transcending unity around our belief in God and in his word. You see? That's what our fellowship is built on. That. And the first church was passionate about the apostles' doctrine, but they are also passionate about fellowship. Fellowship has the idea of association, communion with each other. Listen, close relationship. Not just an acquaintance, but a close relationship. That first church saw themselves as a church family. As a church family. They served each other. They encouraged each other. They loved each other. They took interest in each other's lives. And God's plan is for us to be part of a church family. That's partly why Jesus said, or Peter, Jesus told Peter and Peter told us, right? repent and be baptized, and then add it. That's what God wants for you. He wants to save you from your sin, but his plan also is for you to be a part of a church family. Christianity is not an individual experience. Christianity is not a private experience. You are not meant to live all by yourself in a world where you isolate yourself and never be around other people. God never meant it to be that way. If all God wanted us for us to do is learn the doctrine of his word and that's it, then we could have all just taught ourselves how to study at home. And God could have helped us do that. But instead, God instituted the local church, didn't he? And God calls us sheep for a reason. And God calls his church the flock for a reason because God designed us. God made you to need the fellowship of other believers. God created you that way. You need the flock. You need that fellowship. You need a church family. You need the encouragement of your church family to provoke you to love and good works, as it says in Romans 10, oh no, uh, Hebrews 10, 24. You need to serve your church family. Yeah, God designed you that way. God set you free from your sin to serve Him. And the way that He primarily has given us to serve Him is through the local church. Yeah. This is God's plan. This is God's design. Valley Avenue Baptist Church needs to continue steadfastly in fellowship. That's why today is Fellowship Sunday. Yeah, If you're not planning on it, I would love for you to stick around and fellowship with us. We need to spend more time together than just sitting in a pew next to each other. Right? We need time of fellowship. We need to talk to each other. Pretend like we like each other. It'd be better if we actually did. Even Brother Josh, you got it. We need to invest in each other's lives. Try to show up a little early, a little bit early for church if you can. so that Why? So that you can fellowship with your church family. Plan to stay a little bit after church if you're able to. Why? So that you can fellowship with your church family. Plan to stay for Fellowship Sunday lunches if you can. Why? So that you can fellowship with your church family. You need it, and your church family needs it. It's God's plan. God designed you that way and God commanded it. And so get out of your comfort zone. And go talk to somebody in our church that you've not you don't really know them very well. You should know them pretty well. You need to fellowship with them too. We don't need clicks. We don't need that. We need to fellowship with each other. Everybody. You should fellowship with all your church family. Not just the three or four you like the best. I'm glad for that. I'm glad for close friends. But we need a fellowship with all of our church family. Yeah. We need to continue steadfastly in fellowship. Next, we need to continue steadfastly in breaking of bread. Now, breaking of bread is a figure of speech of the day that simply means this: to eat together. Amen. Boom. See that? Eat together. <laughs> and as you can see in a few verses later after this, that they the early church would break bread from. House to house. From house to house. Well, why did they do that? Well, because they loved each other and they wanted, listen, they wanted to spend time with each other even when it wasn't a scheduled church event. Are you following? They went to each other's houses and broke bread together. They enjoyed each other's company. They were very familiar with each other's homes. And you should be familiar with each other's homes pastor i'm a very private person i don't want no one coming to my house okay i understand that go to somebody else's house (laughs) go to a restaurant or a park the point is this you need to spend time with your church family not just when we have a scheduled church time relationships aren't that mechanical you see you need to be friends with your church family you see we don't just hang out with our family when it, when it lands on the calendar. I hope. No. It's an organic relationship. It's, it's a real, legitimate thing, not a forced thing. We need to be a part of each other's personal life. We need to hold each other accountable. You ought to know how people live when they're not at church. By the way, it should be the same as how they live when they're at church. But we can hold each other accountable that way. And so Valley Avenue Baptist Church, listen, Valley Avenue Baptist Church needs to continue steadfastly in the breaking of bread, be involved in each other's lives that way. That's what they did, and that's what we'll do. One more, and then we'll be done. Lastly, this, this morning, we need to continue steadfastly in prayers. Now, more will be said, as I, as I told you this afternoon, and we'll, we'll talk much more about this, but... The early church knew that they needed fellowship and relationship with each other. We talked about that. But even more important to them was their listen, was their fellowship and relationship with God. Right? The early Christians were living lives that were saturated with prayer, and we'll see it tonight or this afternoon. It's going to be hard for me to say that. I should just say today. Today all this work I don't know why we do that. But anyway, so but listen, Valley Avenue Baptist Church needs to continue steadfastly in prayers. We each need to develop our personal prayer life. We each need to pray for each other. We need to pray with each other. In our most important relationship, hey, I'm I'm all for us having a relationship with each other. And I want to stop and say this: I'm thankful that. Valley Avenue Baptist Church is a church family, and I, I, I'm, none of this is necessarily a, a corrective thing. It's more of a of a reminder, and that we need to continue doing this. Meaning, we've been doing it, but we need to continue doing it. And I'm thankful that Valley Avenue Baptist Church is a church family that loves on each other and they take each other's relationships seriously. But but here's the deal: our most important relationship needs to be with God, and so we don't need a new formula. We've got enough to do right here, don't we? We need to just continue to continue, right? Continue to continue. They, the, the The apostles taught it. They continued. The church at Antioch continued. The church at Philippi and Corinth and, and, and Thessalonica and, all of, and Colossae, these churches continued. Those churches, planted churches in, into Europe, and they continued. And then it was brought to England, and they continued. And England brought it to America, and those churches spread, and it made it to here, to Valley Avenue Baptist Church, and some church back in 1891 planted this church, and that church that planted this church, they were continuing, and we need to continue steadfastly. Yeah, doing what? The apostles' doctrine, fellowship, and breaking of bread and prayers. Yeah, that's what we do. If you're here this morning and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, you might be wondering, like, what in the world is this guy getting all flustered about? Why is he so excited about all this stuff? You've never done what Peter said and the other apostles taught. if You've never repented of your sin. if You've never, by faith, accepted, received gladly the gift that Christ has given you. You need to do that today. If you're pricked in the heart this morning, if you know you're lost, if you know you're not saved, if you know that today, if you died, you'd spend eternity in hell forever, well, what in the world are you waiting for? Today is the day of salvation. Get it settled today. And then you know what you'll need to do after that? Then you'll need to get baptized for the remission of your sins, because your sins were, were remitted and forgiven. Now it's time to get baptized. Why? So that you can identify with Christ and also do this, identify with a church family. And continue steadfastly with us that's what we want you can come to this altar and i'd love to take the bible and i'd love to show you how that you can have your sins forgiven before you leave this building but if you are saved you are baptized and you've been added to this church family here's what we do continue steadfastly. let's pray god thank you for your word thank you for the first church and the example you gave us in them and God, I pray that you help us to do the same. Help us to take your word, your, your doctrine seriously. Help us to take fellowship seriously, breaking of bread seriously, and prayer seriously. Help us to be the church you called us to, and to continue steadfastly. God bless you, That's my prayer. Amen. Let's stand together.